The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Well, let that be a lesson to you, Bunny. A bunch of violent brutes wrapped up in a blanket of male machismo. Well, they're happy to victimize the helpless, but one thing sends them scurrying away. One thing strips their phony courage. The threat of a strong woman. Not so fast, Dr. Margot Hunt, Ms. Ethno-Historian. There are still some real men left in this world. Men who haven't been castrated by the years of feminist propaganda that corrupted the public school system and infected primetime television. Men who believe that nature designed women to cook, nurture children, and pose for penthouse magazine. Real men. See, our role in this world is to love, protect, and yes, I'm not afraid to say it, dominate women. Thursday, January 24, 2013. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Mary Lou Ambrosio. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now till noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be is always the number you can call to reach us or email us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. And today we've got a number of things on our calendar, don't we, Mary Lou? Yes, we do. And our closing quarter of today's show will feature the first and essential five minutes of President Obama's inaugural speech on Monday, followed by our swearing at his swearing in. (laughs) Funny how you can use the same word to express in two entirely different sentiments, eh? But we swear not to swear while we're swearing at the swearing in. I'll do my best. Yeah, okay, I swear. On a stack of constitutional amendments. <laughs> Which can easily be changed. Yeah, the two front runners in the liberal race here in Ontario that's being held this weekend for leadership were both women, Kathleen Wynne and Sandra Pupatello. And the person who might be able to keep the winner in power during this minority government is yet another woman, leader of the NDP, Andrea Horwath. Is this very visible increase in the number of elected women a natural trend in today's politics? Is it a good or a bad thing or an irrelevant thing? Those are just a few of the differing views we'll be hearing when we take a look at the role of women in politics, gender politics, and perhaps a bit of a contrast between men and women in both politics and life. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. So uh, we're going to ask, you know, even has the electoral trend we see, or is it some other cause, resulted in the feminization of society? Is that good, bad, or, or indifferent? Now, those are our two subjects coming up later in the show. But we're going to start off with a little bit of a dilemma I had, Mary Lou, over the whole issue of democracy itself. Mm-hmm. Both the Ontario Liberal leadership election being held this weekend and U.S. President Obama's inaugural speech given this past Monday have created con- you know, conversations and controversies about where the two governments are heading and who and what kind of people are heading those governments. Now, referring to the liberal leadership race, whose leader will be elected this weekend here in Ontario and will become the premier of Ontario, uh, CJBK's Andy Udman last Monday observed that retiring Ontario Premier Dalton McGuinty was, quote, leaving us with a premier who's never been elected, and repeatedly insisted that this was, quote, one of the flaws in our democratic system. And I'll get back to that comment later, but my question was, 
is it? Just what is democracy? Does anybody really know? And I started looking around, and I ended up wasting a great deal of my day yesterday <laughs> reinventing the wheel, I think, you know, because apparently not is the answer, judging from all of the confusing dictionary definitions and commentaries I've waded through, just on the simple issue of democracy. And we'll be starting off the show with my universal suffrage on that issue. <laughs> uh, and hopefully we'll be able to narrow down with some degree of confidence and understanding what democracy is and what it is not. Went to Wikipedia, and they say, no consensus exists on how to define democracy. Oh, great. Yeah, equality and freedom have both been identified as important characteristics. Now, Andy Udman, of course, referred to a flaw in our system of democracy based on his observation that we could have a, quote, unelected premier after this weekend after which he expressed his sincere concern for Ontario, as he saw being in a free fall, and he said, and yet people are so darn casual about the fact we're choosing a new premier and we don't even know their name or who they are, right? Now, but, but correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. isn't that the way it kind of used to be where uh, um, the MPs elected their leader or selected yes. their leader amongst themselves? Mm -hmm. So how is it different? Um, well, that's, that's the whole point. It is totally democratic. It's not mm -hmm. an issue of, I think he's... He's failed to identify the flaw. Right, exactly. Because there is a flaw. I agree with him in well, a sense, but it's only I don't know if, if it's that one. It's only if, it's only if you think it's a, a flaw in democracy. Yeah. Now, I have some pretty bad news in this regard because I discovered what the flaw is, and I don't know it's, that it's so much in our democratic system as it is uh, with where the problem is. I'm not happy about this, but I think the the real flaw in our democratic system of government, both here and south of the border, is women voting. <laughs> Well, that's, that's half right. <laughs> but what about the other half? I think it's all of the voters. Yes. Okay. And, uh, you know, if we just smartened up a bit and disciplined ourselves with the use of a few words of how to think with those words, we could literally save ourselves billions of tax dollars and save civilization in the process. I'm not kidding. I'm going to illustrate. This is from the September 9th uh, blog post by Paul McKeever when he was speaking on the Koran. And, and uh, remember the big outcry south of the border when that fellow burned his... Yes. Uh, the, the, Terry Jones? Yeah, I think Terry that was Jones, what it was yeah. about. But that wasn't the point that he was raising here. He writes, quote, President George W. Bush and most of the Western world have spent billions of dollars and gallons of blood and thousands of lives to, quote, bring democracy to Islamic countries. Their mistake was to confuse elections with democracy. Democracy contrasts with theocracy not by way of elections or some misguided notion of majority rule, but by a belief about the source of government power. Democracy is a belief that the government's power comes from the governed, whereas theocracy, God power, is a belief that the government's power is delegated to it by a god, or that that government is merely the hand of God. And you can bring voting systems to anyone you want, it won't change the hardened belief that Allah is the source of all governmental power and all law, end quote. Now, I really have to thank our last week's guest host who wrote that, Paul McKeever, for really messing with my head yesterday. Thanks for that, Paul. But for pointing me in the right direction. And I wanted to make what the fundamental distinction that's necessary to understand here very clear. And by the way, I understand that Paul can be seen on Sun TV today. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, both on the Michael Corrin show and on David Menzies' show, talking about the very issue we brought up here on CHRW last week, the parallels between the Idle No More yes. movement and the FLQ crisis of 1970. So I'm looking forward to seeing that myself. Mm -hmm. 
So, Paul, being a lawyer, understands Latin and Greek and all those root words, and, and he reminded me that when we speak of democracy, the crassy, you know, the C-R-A-C-Y at the end of that, refers not to a form of government, nor to a form of elections or voting. That's not what it means. The Carassian democracy defines the source of the government's power and authority. Now, there are all kinds of forms of governments and ways of running elections. But believe it or not, there are very few sources, and really, I worked it down to actually only two, God or man, of emanating authority. And that is why there are so few words to describe them, and it's true. You've got theocracy. That means the power emanates from God. But all the rest of the crassies are man crassies. There's democracy, all the people, autocracy, one person, aristocracy, the better people, and plutocracy, the money, the moneyed people. This does not mean that they rule, and this is where the big problem came came in. The misunderstanding behind all of these crassies, that in each case, it defines the source, the authority of the government's legit- legitimacy, not the ruler or the form of a particular government. Now, one confusion that arises, I found, was the switching of the definition of the Greek word kratos between its definition as rule or power. And I saw Wikipedia make this mistake all the way through. They would use both definitions in the same sentence, not realizing they're contradicting themselves, right? Just on the definition. Do you think it is uh, not realizing it or um, is it is it deliberate well, confusion there are always authorities and again like they say there's no set set uh, mm-hmm. standard of what democracy is but since we know that crassy refers to the source of the authority the more proper word i think is it has to be power not rule in the sense of governance because we have another word for that and we know that and those are the the archos the archi the archon which stands for real uh, leader ruler chief and these are the words that refer to the ruler, not to the source of the ruler's power. So for archy, you've got a monarchy, right? Rule by a monarch. Now, oligarchy, rule by the few. Anarchy, rule by the none, yeah. <laughs> I guess. And then there are other forms like republics, constitutional monarchies, and things of that nature. So getting back to Ann Utman's comment, when he said we have flaws in our democratic system, and he says, and clearly having a premier who's not elected is one of those flaws. This is interesting. He says, does this mean the new premier won't turn out to be a fantastic premier? No, but if you're determined to have democracy determine who that person is, then obviously there's a flaw. Now, to me, it's almost impossible to even attempt to decipher what that means, the idea that democracy, quote, itself can determine something when that's not even anywhere close to to what democracy is capable of doing. It's apples and oranges. Democracy is not a choosing method. It's a, it's what's, but it is what the left wants to reduce it to. They want to reduce it to majority rule. Yes. And when you have majority rule, you've got majority Mm. fooled. And mob rule. Yeah, that's right. And that's what it has been called. Yes. And the flaws in the flaw is not only in believing that democracy is majority rule, but believing that majority rule is the god of the machine, mm-hmm. the, the moral standard, to borrow the name of Isabel Patterson's book on that subject. Yeah. Regrettably, even Ayn Rand and Leonard Peikoff wrote democracy off as majority rule, which is one of its dictionary definitions, yeah. but not the essential one with regard to this. 
Peikoff even concluded, quote, democracy in short is a form of collectivism which denies individual rights. The majority can do whatever it wants with no restrictions. Democracy is a totalitarian manifestation. It is not a form of freedom. The American system is a constitutionally limited republic. Restricted to the protection of individual rights in such a system, majority rule is applicable only to the lesser details, such as the selection of certain personnel. Well, to me, that's what a democracy is, too. Mm-hmm. You know, majority rule is not a form of government. It's only a form of voting. Right. Hence, you know, I disagree with Rand that the essential characteristic of democracy is majority rule, but I agreed with everything she said about the evils of majority rule. Right. Okay, that's, that's another issue. The insistence on a 50% plus one as being the criteria of a person or policy is a sure way of always ending up with an idea or candidate that even a smaller minority than the plurality supports. It always ends up that way. Remember, all eligible Mm -hmm. voting majorities are minorities within the group from which eligibility is determined. And that's pretty well a case across the board. You have to be a citizen. You You can't be a child. There's all sorts of limits. Now, before any judgment can be made with regard to whether a particular government is legitimate, which means one thing and one thing only, that all individuals within the jurisdiction of that government acknowledge and recognize that government as the final authority on issues of justice. Now, we like to say, you know, we govern with the consent of the governed, but the consent really doesn't matter. It's just that you recognize the authority. You might not particularly agree with it even. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you accept it as the authority is what's important. And this is where we're running into a problem today. Today, in both Canada and the United States, there are significantly large portions of the population who increasingly do not recognize or acknowledge the government's authority. Absolutely. And this is exactly why, if you heard our last week's show, Pierre Elliott Trudeau was so adamant about not allowing any non-democratic competing self-proclaimed FLQ terrorists to even have their presence be tolerated within the borders of the Mm -hmm. country. He had it right. Yes. He understood clearly why a democratically elected government must have a monopoly on the retaliatory use of force, just as Ayn Rand kept repeating against a never-ending chorus of anarchists and socialists and libertarians, I guess. Now, the proper limit on a government is always a moral limit. It is not based on consensus, nor even on consent. In a free society, the government and the government are supposed to be one and the same. Government has no powers or rights that the same individuals who comprise that government do not have. Just because ten of us get together with all of our already given individual rights doesn't mean suddenly we have ten times more rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't change that at all. It's not a quantitative thing. It's a qualitative thing. So that's the proper limit. And also the proper view of governments, just to finish up here, is not about the things that you do have a right to do. You don't want your government sitting down and listing everything that you're allowed to do. But about the very, very, very few things that we do not have a right to do. Those are the things that governments should be listing. And Mm -hmm. they could almost be down, bring them down to the Ten Commandments if you really want to get down to the basics. But those would be the principles. So, now, before we apply some of these principles to President Obama's inaugural speech in the final quarter of our hour... At this point, we're going to introduce another dimension into the discussion, and I suppose this has to do more with the archy side, namely women in politics and the feminization of the political agenda. I thought this was interesting, too. Just thought of this last night, too. Are we dealing with matriarchy? Here, you know, mm. see the archy versus yeah. a patriarchy? Yeah. Archy. 
It's well, the ruler. Your... It's not the source of power, right? Yes. A matriarch, it doesn't mean the matriarchs are the source of power. They're the rulers. The source of power could be anyone. Yeah. So, uh, you going to say? No, I was just going to say to hear the women in this clip we're going to hear ah. tell it. That's that would that's the answer, a matriarchy. <laughs> Some of them maybe, yes. Yeah. But uh, just to make a point, you know, you could have a democratic matriarchy. True. And those words would go together perfectly. Yeah. One defines the source of the power, the people. The other just defines the rulers. In that case, they would be matriarchs mm -hmm. if they were chosen by the people. Yeah. So now I assume the uh, Fox News show called Red Eye, which we're going to hear a clip from, has more to do with the time of day or night than yeah, it's scheduled. Yeah, it's, it's on late, yeah. late at it's night. It's not because it's about red ideas. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not a red alert, folks. Okay, we're going to break away and hear this from... This was just recorded um, originally in December before... Uh, this was before Obama um, ha had the, his inauguration, yes. and they were still talking about the year-end fiscal cliff and yep. issues of that nature. So we'll be back and carry on the conversation. Well, as President Obama and congressional Republicans continue to fuss over the fiscal cliff, some lady lawmakers say they have put this mess to rest if they had the chance. And they'll have the numbers next month when the new Congress is sworn in. There will be 500 female senators. What? That's correct. How did that happen? <laughs> Most of the group sat down for an exclusive interview with Diane Sawyer, and they discussed our current crisis. I think if we were in charge of the Senate and of the administration, that we would have a budget deal by now. <laughs> in do, you, fact, do you all yes, believe yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. I think by nature, we are less confrontational and more collaborative. And having us in the room, and I think, um, you know, all of us, not only do we want to work in a bipartisan way, we do it. Uh, the women then complimented each other's hair and swapped recipes. I'm kidding, of course, who writes this crap? You're a woman, allegedly. Do your fellow double Xers have a point? Would you guys handle this much better? Uh, I think anybody would handle this much better. Mm. I think anybody who doesn't have to negotiate with President Obama right now would have a better chance at reaching a deal just because I don't think he really wants one at the mm. moment. And anyone who shows up to the bargaining table with spending increases instead of cuts clearly is not looking to make a compromise. Mm -hmm. That being said, I don't know what kind of women you guys are friends with, but if I, I think for the most part, you put a group of girls together, you put a group of guys together, the girls are going to be arguing a lot sooner than the guys will. So I don't, I don't know where they Thank got that women are less much. confrontational, but not the I kind of women Real that Housewives. I know. Wives. I watch Real Housewives. I watch all the okay. reality. Please By the way, do don't use Real Housewives as right, a demonstration let's, let's of what normal like women are like. Equal let's amounts use, of Botox. Let's use the uh, reality shows like Big Brother. It's the women that are conniving to go to take over the house, and they get the guys to do their bidding. I, a reality show has taught me everything I need. Tom, isn't it sexist to say that women are different from men? It's fine to be sexist. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I disagree with you, Greg. Do you? Yes, I believe that women are more skilled at consensus building. I think they're better at negotiation and things like that, which is why 
they are bad politicians. <laughs> they stink at it. I don't want people going in and sitting around it and uh, holding hands and making up. I want them to fight. Right. Because that's why I elect a politician to go in and fight for what I want. I want them to battle it out. I don't want consensus. Now, what I'm you want is someone who can maneuver their way in a friendly way and still listen, get what you want. Listen, I... But still make Diana, the other guy think that he wants something. I am with you. I am very pro-women. I, I, why is it that we can admit what women are good at, right. but we can't admit exactly. what they're bad at? Right. All right. Driving. You know what they're bad at? <laughs> Math. Yeah. They're Sports. They're bad. Uh, not being as strong. Good, Bill. Should I stop? See, that's what I, no, but, that's what I was looking for. This is a, uh, it's cut away. Cut away. Is, this is a good point. You know, several years ago, Larry Summers, who was Treasure Secretary, yeah. was president of Harvard. He basically said the same thing, that men might have innate, uh, 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 you know, want to go into math more than women. And there was, like, basically DEFCON 1 yeah. at MSNBC. There was a firestorm. A Harvard professor, professor said she had to storm out of the room, almost throw up. Well, this is basically Which they're what they're not good at. Basically, they think storming out of the room. Right. Going <laughs> it's but, the heels. But basically, this is what they're saying here, and it's all lighthearted and nice. And I think it's fine, to be honest. But why is the double standard? Would, if, if men said that women weren't very good at negotiating and that they, if, if just what they said they here, are. we they, know they, they, what they're better at. We all know what they're better at, but we refuse to talk about what no, they're better We do. No, you don't. Listen. They're good I at complaining. Know. Huh? They are great. At, they're great at so many things. That's the thing. And I will admit that all, the, at all uh, across the board. Then you're in the minority. I just want to point out that Bill has said 17 sexist things, <laughs> uh, breaking the old record of uh, 14 things from last night. Uh, I do. I, I, I agree with Tom in the sense that I uh, women are good at compromise. But I don't want compromise. Uh -huh. I don't want compromise. Men and women are different, but you can never stress the positive male differences, only the positive female differences. But women and women are different, too. Yeah. Just to say that women in general are better at Absolutely. compromising is complete crap. This is television. We generalize here. This used to be called, uh, th this, was, this show before it was called Red Eye was supposed to be called Generalizations. <laughs> uh, well, are you telling me you don't know a bunch of men that would cave at anything? Oh, I mean, yeah. They just don't make any decisions on their own. There no, are, there yeah, are people cave. like that on both sides. But yeah, but those Bill are the goes guys to a place I'm called not the going cave. to elect those guys. Great <laughs> spelunking room. I think right and now I any think... any change would be better than what's going on right now. Yes, and there are a lot of women out there who would be great at at, at this, but not Claire McCaskill. <laughs> All right. <laughs> By the way, it's it, women are as as feisty and as resistant to change as men. Ask any married guy, am I right? <laughs> oh, it's just a toilet seat, lady. Yeah, you know. can put it down yourself, oh, am I geez. right? I mean, Give well, us the remote. I, you know, <laughs> one poker night, I'm on the couch, people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yes. A subject that's near and dear to my heart, women in politics. Now, a few years ago, I was asked by a couple of women from the UWO Tories to participate in a panel discussion on this subject. The title was, Women in Politics, Shattering the Glass Ceiling. The title alone was almost enough to keep me away. The fact that it was sponsored by the Western New Democrats almost clinched it. But these young women, who happened to share my political views, convinced me that this was precisely why I should participate. Otherwise, an argument for an opposing perspective would not have been heard. So I agreed, and I went... Now, there was a lot of complaining about, uh, f uh, from the female politicians. Um, well, this was sponsored by the NDP? Is that what you're saying? Uh, New Western New Democrats, yeah, okay. yep. Mm -hmm. uh, the majority of whom were of the left, the panelists as well. And we heard that there weren't enough women in politics, that being a woman in politics meant you were at a disadvantage, that politics was too adversarial and it should be more collaborative. Well, um... 
and, and that women might feel more comfortable participating if we change the way politics is done. Well, first of all, I think it's fair to say that as many men who try to win a seat fail, as do women. So it's not about your gender. It doesn't play a role in whether or not you get elected. And far from it being a disadvantage to be a woman, it can at times be an advantage. And as far as it being adversarial, yes, it is. And so it should be. When I give my vote to someone who, is, who espouses a particular view I, that I share, I expect them to fight for that position. And I don't understand how it could be otherwise. As we heard those, those uh, uh, yeah, the sure. people on Red Eye joking about that, too. Uh, that's the way it is. Well, politics is confrontational yes. in its nature. You can't avoid it. You have exactly. two sides in a debate. But what's not what shouldn't be confrontational, if I can get the word out, is the voting process. Right. And what happens, though, I see more and more in democracy, people aren't happy with the results of the votes. They don't yes. get it their way, they don't quit, and they just want to keep at yeah. it as though the vote didn't happen. Exactly. And there's I a lot of that now. A lot of that going on. Now, that red-eye clip was sort of a humorous look at... <clears throat> the That's subject. how people talk when it's late at night, eh? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but there's actually a, a far more serious conversation sure. about women and politics that you rarely hear discussed in any substantive way, and that is the influence of feminine thinking in our politics and policymaking, and indeed in all of our institutions. So, contrary to what these women believe, I think women have far more influence in our politics and policymaking than they appear to realize. And I also happen to believe it's incredibly damaging and is contributing to civilizational decline. Now, that's uh, an unusual thing <clears throat> for most people to hear a woman say that. I guess. And, and is, is <clears throat> there a particular reason that this has become a thing with you? Is it, is, does your gender have to, something to do with your involvement in this? Or would you think you'd feel the same way if you, you were on... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah? And I don't know what it is about mm -hmm. me, but I see it. Um, I think, as you know, I, I grew up with four brothers. I used to play in bands with guys. I'm very comfortable around men. <clears throat> I don't vilify them, I guess, right. is one thing. So I don't, I don't see it in this very divisive way that others do or competitive way. Um, I wonder if that has something to do with it, having the four brothers and then yeah. seeing things said in public that would, in a way, insult your brothers. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know? Yeah. Or... Or, or disadvantage them yeah. in some way. It certainly has kept me more open sure. to the possibility that um, things aren't quite the way that uh, they're painted. Um, now, as I said, the uh, a, f a friend who's also a current concerned about this issue remarked to me recently that no one, not even the bravest of well-known pundits from the right, such as, say, a Mark Stein, will really dig their teeth into this subject. And that example is particularly interesting, given that Mark Stein's last two books were about how America and the West were dying. So why won't they give this subject the serious uh, coverage it requires? Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I do know from personal experience that this is one of those subjects where it's far too easy to have your motives and your meaning misrepresented. Uh, you will be vilified for even trying to talk about it. And I can't help but think of those young ladies from the U of T protesting Warren Farrell, mm -hmm. who told the reporter that just the emergence of posters right. for an event sponsored by a men's issues group was evidence of misogyny. Just the posters. <laughs> really? Seriously? But apparently that works because it keeps serious commentators fearful enough to stay away from the subject. So, I mean, periodically, you have pundits like Ann Coulter who, who make jokes, who are willing to say things like, we need to take away women's right to vote. And in some ways, I happen to agree with her on that. 
Now, even some on the other side, like well, Bill Maher. You're, you're being joking, of I course. I am being but, sort of joking, but but, but not I know what you're what she's getting at. Yeah, she's basically saying that women don't women vote socialist mostly. And, well, or they vote, do exactly. Yeah. So Bill Maher, who's done lots of shows on the subject of feminism, but again in a humorous way, and as he was in our opening clip this morning. Yes. <laughs> now. But they don't really analyze or make any serious attempt to demonstrate why the feminization of politics, specifically in policymaking, might be hurting us. So that friend I mentioned sent me a very extensive article that explores the subject in depth. And it's on a site called The Futurist. And the title of the article is The Misandry Bubble. And I would highly recommend it to anyone who wants to understand what has happened and why. Now, the executive summary of the blog post reads... The Western world has quietly become a civilization that undervalues men and overvalues women, where the state forcibly transfers resources from men to women, creating various perverse incentives for otherwise good women to conduct great evil against men and children, and where male nature is vilified but female nature is celebrated. This is unfair to both genders and is a recipe for a rapid civilizational decline and displacement, the costs of which will ultimately be borne by a subsequent generation of innocent women rather than men as soon as 2020. (laughs) Now, I can't help but agree, because basically, we've thrown our system out of whack. And as trite as it sounds, balance is critical to human survival. Uh, We have a male and a female for a reason. So there is that sort of biological component to it. But there's also the question of what traits and qualities the humans who are breeding are passing on. Uh, I mean, when we talk about well, this, this there, entitlement society and this dependency on the state, that's coming from somewhere, Bob. Well, sure. It's yes. coming from, from the philosophy. You know, the, the whole question, are there enough women in politics, really begs answering in another way. To me, it's like ask, it's the same issue as saying there aren't enough voters going to vote. Yeah. Um, that isn't going to change. A lot of this is, is in response to what people see as bad government policy, yeah. bad things happening in the government. So they figure, well, if we have more people vote, or if we have more women in power, somehow yeah. that will change. Yeah. But that can't change at the voting end. That can only change at the electing end. If you want a choice in government, you have to have a choice. Mm-hmm. If you've only got uh, one party to vote for, it doesn't matter how many women get into it, it'll be the same policies. doesn't ma- matter how many people vote, it'll be the same policies. So it's at the upper end that you have to look for more choice, not at the bottom end of more participation if you really want to see uh, change in politics. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I see it in any case. Coming along to the bottom of the hour now, let's take a break now very quickly, and we'll carry on this conversation when we come back. And courtesy of the TV series Men in Trees, we're going to go visit the folks up in Elmo, Alaska, in a bar very much like the one where everybody knows your name on Cheers, you know? And where a discussion on the differences between men and women arises and sets out on a slightly different path in the discussion we heard from the Fox News folks. More to come, including some very unusual and intriguing food menu items when we return. Hey, has anyone seen Jack? Not tonight. I saw him loading up his fishing gear. He's probably gone to his cabin up the Ravenhook. His cabin. Great. So he's hiding to avoid a simple conversation. Very mature. Wish I'd go into hiding. Patrick? Unfortunately. Something happened with you and Annie? No, actually, nothing happened between me and Annie because I'm a big loser freak. 
You are not a loser freak. And he went to all this trouble to make things special for me, and I was all worried I was going to botch things up and ruin the night, and then things got weird, and I left and botched things up and ruined the night. So you just walked out? I may have sprinted. What is it with you guys? Why do you just run off when something gets a little awkward? Why don't you just talk and work things out like civilized women? Because talking leads to drama, and then drama leads to more talking. It's a vicious circle. Men are afraid of talking. We don't want to give you guys any ammo. So we're the enemy here? The time you women spend analyzing everything to death, you could be actually doing something. Yeah, men aren't talkers. We're doers. Yeah, doers. Fine. Then do something. But you care about Annie, right? Of course. So you should run right now and tell her that you want to be with her. Because there aren't too many girls like that around here. Especially in Alma. Because if nothing else, she deserves a face-to-face -face conversation. Right? Which I am going to have if it kills me. You're right. Excuse me. So if you'll excuse me, I have a cabin to find. Where am I finding this cabin? You turn left at the old mine, right? Right, 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 left. Right, left. Yeah. No, left at the mine and then across the suspension bridge. But it's, it gets really dark out by Ravenhook and there's a lot of unmarked roads. So I will stop and ask for more directions because that's what women do. We ask things! There goes drama. The interior is completely wild and uncharted. Anyone that strays too close to the heart of the avocado jungle never returns. Why? That's a very good question, Bunny. <laughs> Perhaps Dr. Hunt would like to answer it. It's, uh, it's only a legend, really. We're convinced that they're real. Who? The piranha women. Piranha women? Who are they? They're an ancient commune of feminists. So radical, so militant, so left of center, they, they eat their men. Oh, that. Well, if I like a guy, you should start it. They don't eat their men like that, Bunny. More like a black widow spider. They have sex with their men and they kill them. Then they tear them into strips like beef jerky and eat them with guacamole. So legend has it. They are more than a legend. They're a major agricultural problem. It used to be safe for avocado pickers to venture within 20 miles of the jungle's edge. But lately, the piranha women have broadened their hold. No one is safe anywhere in the avocado belt. Well, if they're that much trouble, why don't you just send in the troops and round them up? Colonel Mattel? Fact is, we tried. We sent in three divisions armored with air support, the best men we have. We found these at the edge of the jungle. Dog tags? Look closely. They're covered with guacamole dip. Ew. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, that gives complete new meaning to the term menu, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, so to finish what we yes. were discussing before the break, uh, to put it very plainly, I guess it comes down to equality versus equity. 
the female sensibility due to our nature and biology would suggest that women's qualities of wanting equality and giving everybody an equal share regardless of what they've actually contributed works best in the smaller more intimate sphere of personal relationships Mm -hmm. where women generally speaking and yes i'm generalizing uh show a strength so it's good to keep those close to you happy, whereas man's natural inclination is better suited to the wider sphere and the larger group where equity is more suitable. This is where you have to be somewhat detached and impartial to achieve fairness, which is better in the broader sphere. And that's what I mean when I talk about the feminization of policies and politics that concerns me. That's the aspect that concerns me. Because what we now see, why are we surprised about this this entitlement society, this uh, welfare society uh, that we see. Uh, you know, looking at it from a man's point of view, I've I ha- had a little pile of articles here. Look at some of these that I just pulled out of the National Post. Look mm-hmm. at the headlines here. Why men fail. Mm-hmm. A whole full-page article on why men fail, not women. Look at this one. Men. Who needs them? Yeah, right? And it says, like, um, fathers are of great benefit, but it's a far cry from necessary and sufficient for My reproduction, goodness. right? Yeah. And then you have philosophy's gender war. And then here I thought I had one, why fathers really matter. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, wow, this is really going in the other direction. But yeah. then look at the subheading. The health of the unborn kids can be affected by what and how much men eat. It's not about fathering, it's about, it's about biology. Gen- yeah, biology. To, and that well, is where we're going. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going, you know, <laughs> men eating or men... I mean, I, I'm feeling like a piece of meat, Mary. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling in this feminized <laughs> well, society. Well, it's about men felt that. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, is that... There is certainly an... Uh, I, could I say an anti... I wouldn't call it anti-male as such, but there's a negative negativity about that, certainly. I've cer- um, I, I see it. You we, see it in television all the time. You certainly do, yeah, in the culture generally. And there's this, this tendency, as they talked about in the clip, where it's okay to talk about um, women's good qualities, but God forbid you should discuss their less they, than... Yes, oh, that, yes, referring to that comment. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of unfortunate that, that we can't have these honest discussions, uh, you know, so... So, so yeah, that was personally, I love admitting what I'm bad at, Bob, because, so for example, I'm really terrible with directions, so I <laughs> really? want to tell people that, <laughs> okay. so that no one puts me in charge, because I don't like getting lost. So you don't ask, just, eh? What's, what's the matter with you? You don't you ask? Oh, no, I will, I will <laughs> okay, ask. Well, there you go. But You fit right into the, yeah. <laughs> right into the, <laughs> right to the stereotype. stereotype. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and that's okay. It's not a big deal. Now, you were going to say something? No, just about... Um, you know, our whole culture, even in that clip with um, um, th- with our opener, but w- by the way, which was from a movie called Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death, which is kind of the airplane <laughs> version of feminism. Can we call it that? Yeah. And it starred Bill Maher in that, and he was playing sort of uh, um, the Indian... I call him Indiana Bill in that, because he's dressed up like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, and they mm-hmm. go into this jungle to defeat these women who are headed up by Adrian Barbeau, of all oh. people. And uh, it's a very funny movie, very silly. Yeah. But even there, in their attempt to make comments on feminism and about feminism, about politics, there's Bill Maher playing the the hero, and he's and he's being the fool. He's always yeah. crashing into yeah. things. There you and, go. And yeah. the women are all the you know, yeah. even on both sides of the issue, yeah. it's the women 
who are playing the lead role in that movie, mm-hmm. which is part yeah. of the spoof, yeah. I understand. Yeah. But you see that more and more Absolutely. in, in, yeah. in stand up comedy and situation comedy. Even in Father's shows. Day cards versus Mother's yeah. Day cards, you know, dad's kind of the hapless. And some of it's in fun. Yeah, of course it is. And it is kind of fun. But when I see it reflected in the serious area of politics, Mm -hmm. then I'm concerned. Um, And, you know, I I think the the comments about girls in math, again, getting back to what people are bad, what we're not good at. I recall the first time I came home with a bad grade, and it happened to be in math. It was grade seven, and I was prepared for my dad to be so angry that I had gotten this lousy grade, and and he said, uh, eh, "It's okay, you're a girl. You just have to get married." So I grew up with that kind of uh, attitude. Attitude, um, and uh, you know, growing up in a home with a traditional Southern Italian father, it's kind of like the Taliban. Only the food was better. <laughs> so oh, you know, I did go through that whole. St- feminist, uh, uh, you know, rebellion against uh, male authority. And yet, you know, to answer your question about why this, um, why I feel the way I do now, I think, you know, becoming a wife and mother and having children and two daughters now, I am concerned about the future. And you'll see now there are a lot of young men who are opting out of marriage. They don't even want to go there. They know uh, that if things go sideways, they, they've heard the horror stories. Well, there's been so a, lot of, a lot of damage to the whole has. institution of marriage from a number of yeah. uh, 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 directions, yeah. not just that one issue. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, for we, we have to seriously consider where, where we're going to be in the future if we don't deal with this now. Um, and I think one of the other things we were going to talk about um, was, uh, getting back to your theme too, about the democracy and mm-hmm. how this all works. Um, during this gun debate in the U.S., I've been struck by how willing many on the left seem to be to hand their complete trust over to government, which then got me thinking about, you know, what is the personality of those who accept and support tyranny? Uh, I don't quite understand it uh, because, you know, these are the people, they, they're not pushovers because they're happy to use violence to get, you know, you see these sure. protests uh, to get what they want. Um they claim to be pacifists, but clearly they're not. Um, so what is it? Uh, what is it that makes these people so happy to let government? Uh, well, you know, I have to speak as someone who was once on that side of the fence. And I have to think that I wasn't really thinking about it that clearly at the time. I used to consider politics rather blindly. I used to be a big Pierre Trudeau supporter, but for all <laughs> the wrong reasons, not the right reason that yeah, we had the, last yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and, uh, and, and for the right reason, too. Mm-hmm. I have to add that. I can't say it was a, a one-dimensional thing. I certainly never knew, I didn't even know what socialism was. And I've said that before. When I got into politics, I didn't know left from right, from center, from up right. from down. But it's very interesting. There has been a tremendous flight from democracy and from freedom, and it seems to be... There's a whole report here, Democracy in Retreat, that the, the, the National Post um, recently... So is this uh, to suggest that people don't want the the freedom because that comes with you know, having no, to be self, self-sufficient? What they want and what they get are two different things, because... It's, it's, it's a whole issue of understanding the mechanism through what, how we get what we want. And you cannot vote for things and get them. This is something so basic that people haven't figured out yet. You know, um, George Jonas wrote a really patch, a very interesting piece. This was back on uh, February 18th of last year. And the heading uh, in the National Post was, Our One Night Stand with Freedom. Mm. 
He said, liberty came in the late 19th century and went in the early 20th. And he says, we in the West are gung-ho to export democracy, but sometimes it seems we're keen to ship it overseas, mainly because we're not much, we don't have much use for it ourselves. Mm. We go through these mayo-jacketed phases when we export democracy and import tyranny. Mm. Perhaps before exporting democracy wholesale, we should try it at home. And this was interesting. And then he says, ah, all right, this is just a wisecrack, but what comes next isn't. And I didn't think it was a wisecrack. I thought that was a Mm well-worded statement. And then he notes, we went from pre-democracy directly to post-democracy, leaping over democracy on the way. The state turned into a secular theocracy. And this is what has happened in between, as he saw it. Modern Western societies worship their own ideologies with a theological rigidity, often accompanied by legal sanctions reminiscent of Saudi Arabia. No, we don't chop off the hands of university presidents who offend our state religion of feminism. We merely send them into the outer darkness. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Aren't Western societies still freer than outright theocracies or dictatorships like Cuba or North Korea, he asks. Of course they are. Are they free, though? Not really. They aren't free, not just compared with some mystical absolute, but not even free compared with their own past. That's the key. And that's where he says the world had a one-night stand with freedom. Mm -hmm. And I guess we're going to hear a little bit of how that stand has ended with the inaugural speech of President Obama, which comes up next. Thank you so much. Vice President Biden, Mr. Chief Justice, members of the United States Congress, distinguished guests, and fellow citizens. Each time we gather to inaugurate a president, we bear witness to the enduring strength of our Constitution. We affirm the promise of our democracy. We recall that what binds this nation together is not the colors of our skin or the tenets of our faith or the origins of our names. What makes us exceptional, what makes us American, is our allegiance to an idea articulated in a declaration made more than two centuries ago. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Today, we continue a never-ending journey to bridge the meaning of those words with the realities of our time. For history tells us that while these truths may be self-evident, they have never been self-executing. That while freedom is a gift from God, it must be secured by His people here on Earth. The patriots of 1776 did not fight to replace the tyranny of a king with the privileges of a few or the rule of a mob. They gave to us a republic, 
a government of and by and for the people, entrusting each generation to keep safe our founding creed. In four more than 200 years, we have. Through blood drawn by lash and blood drawn by sword, we learned that no union founded on the principles of liberty and equality could survive half-slave and half-free. We made ourselves anew and vowed to move forward together. Together, we determined that a modern economy requires railroads and highways to speed travel and commerce, schools and colleges to train our workers. Together, we discovered that a free market only thrives when there are rules to ensure competition and fair play. Together, we resolved that a great nation must care for the vulnerable and protect its people from life's worst hazards and misfortune. Through it all, we have never relinquished our skepticism of central authority, nor have we succumbed to the fiction that all society's ills can be cured through government alone. Our celebration of initiative and enterprise, our insistence on hard work and personal responsibility, these are constants in our character. But we have always understood that when times change, so must we. That fidelity to our founding principles requires new responses to new challenges. That preserving our individual freedoms ultimately requires collective action. Wow. Mm -hmm. There is the major, mm -hmm. biggest oxymoronic statement yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> Although there are ways you could interpret that, but you don't mix those kinds of no, concepts. No, the first time I heard it, Bob, I just I, I experienced that cognitive dissonance thing yeah. we talked about. Right. It didn't make sense. You're using the language of liberty to, to describe a collectivist vision. Exactly. That's exactly I, what he's I, done. I, he, he has done a huge philosophical cross-dressing, mm -hmm. what he's done, <laughs> and, and that's making communism sound like the principles on which America was based. And that's yes. what he was trying to do. You know, see these two pages mm -hmm. I've got here? I yep. basically just put point form what I heard him say yeah. in that speech. And then I highlighted some of the key words. And forward together kept coming up yeah. a lot, which is really funny because we did our own lampoon spoof yep. on McGinty, right. who's using the same phrase, forward together, yep. uh, here in Ontario, as well as our the NDP and other mm -hmm. people. It's like the common ca call for all socialists. Yeah, yeah. And, but look at all these, you know, together we determined that a modern economy requires railways. Together we determined schools and colleges yeah. to train. Together we discovered a free market. Together we resolved a great nation. Now, and, you and, know, you know on by and the way, on. But what a joke that is too, Bob, because what I, I'm sorry, but what I find with the, with the, with the left is this, uh, they actually don't trust people. No. You know, they don't trust well. people. They they make the decisions um, because we can't be trusted to make the right ones. I I was joking. I have this, you can't uh, trust people in a collective because if you're doing things together, <laughs> mm -hmm. you create an issue of distrust because there are other people who are together, and then you're, there's your people who are together. Yeah. You know, I don't know if he's talking about Republican and Democrat when mm. he means together, mm. and that was one of the things that disturbed me a bit about what the women kept saying. They kept talking about bipartisan yeah. committees yeah. as though ideas 
those did not matter. Yeah. Right? Yeah, excuse me, they do. That's the issue. And yes. that's what separates people, not their gender and their color and all those other mm -hmm. things. It's their ideas. It's the color of their ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And But some of this stuff, he said, you know, he says, while the means will change, our purpose endures. Well, ends and means are the same. Mm. They always are. And if you're changing the means, you're changing the end and you're changing the purpose. Right. If the purpose was originally to be free, you cannot have all these socialist programs. And mm -hmm. this is what he's saying. The, the commitments we make to each other together, right? Yep. Through Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. And he says, these things do not sap our initiative. Mm -hmm. they, they strengthen us, he says. So Orwellian. And uh, it's beyond Orwellian. Yep. Individual liberty requires collective action. <laughs> well, <laughs> really? <laughs> there you go. And, uh, you know, he said a decade of war is, is ending. This was later on in this, in this speech, the part we didn't play. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, the next, I think the next decade of war is just coming. That's all that means. Yeah. An economy or an economic recovery has begun, he says. I, I haven't seen any evidence no. of that. And he says American potential is endless. But... You know, not for the individual, just if you do it together. That's you right. See, that's, yeah. that's, and then he says, we must seize this moment as long as we seize it together. It, it's almost, it's I, maddening. It sounds like, holy cow, where did this guy come from? Did he, did, he, did he pop out of the Soviet Union in the middle of nowhere and just well, start Bob, talking? This stuff was out of, uh, I've seen science fiction stories with speeches you like You know, this. you're not going to be all right until I hear you say, <laughs> thanks to the leadership of Comrade Napoleon, how excellent this water tastes. Oh, I, I tell you. <laughs> and then, he, the amazing thing, another thing he gets on to later on in his speech, which we didn't play either, yeah. he says, if we're going to respond to the threat of climate change and then start picking on uh, those of us who still deny the overwhelming judgment of science, which he immediately oh, mixed with religion. Yes. You know, he says he, he's going to go on with an advocacy of green technology as a means of, get this, preserving our planet commanded to our care by God. Oh, my goodness. Now, that is pure theocracy. Mm -hmm. Again... Obama has just saw, uh, d defined the source of his authority as being God. And then when he says, we the people still believe that, what, does that, what do you mean still believe that? Uh, hello? Yeah. That means we no longer believe that. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't have to say exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want any more wars, so he says we're going to pull out of wars, but we must bring freedom to the rest of the world. What kind of freedom? Freedom together? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, freedom means not together. Freedom means I can be free of my yeah. fellow man. That's, That's right. what it means. That he doesn't have a claim on me. Yeah. You're free from the claim put on you by other people. And that is precisely the government that he's putting in place. The, uh, the reverse of that. Mm -hmm. Where we're all in it together. Yep. And he basically said it doesn't matter whether you, you will, uh, you know, be successful, you're going to be guaranteed some kind of something just for trying and for being there, right? That, yeah. That's, he doesn't realize what a monster he's un unleashing there if it isn't well, already done. I was joking when, uh, when I saw that Time had selected uh, him as Man of the Year. Well, that's okay, because yeah, yeah. They, 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 he, they picked that on the basis of influence. That's why they picked Hitler in 1939. Yeah, but... Um, no, they also said, though, there was a lot of commentary about it that, that from time that he he's represents a new America, mm -hmm. right? So I thought, well, you bet. So forget about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America's new slogan is going to be failure, tyranny, and the equal sharing of misery, <laughs> right? That, that's a good one. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, well, it's just, you. you know, and this is another thing I'd really like is I'd like honesty from the left. Just... Please, uh, somebody pointed out that was one thing also that was unique about this address. 
in the past, Democrats do tell you who they are and what they believe, but Obama's trying to sort of that speech it? was like a something for everybody speech yeah. like i mean mm-hmm. yes and we believe in wrong and yes we believe in right yeah. and yes we believe in yellow and yes we believe in green and yes we believe in this and yeah. uh, you know and we're going to stay committed to these principles that yeah. we already left like 20 years ago yeah uh, i don't know where he thinks he's coming from but that was certainly uh, a blueprint for terror mm. as far as mm-hmm. <laughs> the future of the united states is um it's not going to be the America we know no. anymore. No, I agree. Um, and amazingly, we're coming up. I just have a closing comment yeah. uh, that I that I found here from the Atlas Society, written by Edward Hudgens, and uh, it was in response to Obama's inauguration, and he called it celebrating enslavement. Mm-hmm. But in his conclusion, he said, um, um, "In a free society." Well, first he he, uh, referred to the unique vision of America, quote, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Mm -hmm. And he writes, in a free society, that moves and pursue our own dreams through our own individual efforts, that we each take responsibility for our own lives, not together, you know, as he's saying, and actions, and that we accord our fellows equal rights to live their own lives. That's where the other comes in. Mm Dealing with them based on mutual consent mm-hmm. and not by force, which is what yes. Obama is replacing, and judging them based on who they are. We heard nothing in Obama's speech about the record deficits that he's racked up with his profligate spending. We heard nothing of the continued economic stagnation and high unemployment, especially in the black community. We simply heard a celebration of the welfare state and a promise yes. of something even worse. Betty says freedom cannot be snuffed out so easily. There are still enough who understand where Obama is taking the country and who are acting to stop it. But they must not attack only the policies of Obama and his ilk as economically irresponsible. This is a battle of philosophies. Yes. They must counter Obama's collectivism with a true individualism based on the morality of holding one's own life as one's own highest value and accepting nothing less than the freedom to pursue one's own happiness. The vision of America's founders, and that's how he concluded that. So, in conclusion, you know, life, liberty, and property, Mary Lou, the political expression of a moral postulate. And that moral postulate is arrived at by the four pillars of philosophy, reality, reason, self-consent. And I think with those weapons at our disposal, we've placed ourselves, for the first time in any history I know of, in a tenable and credible position to shift the discussion in our time from what are rights what is right. And that's it for this week. We'll continue our journey in the right direction next week, and we hope you'll join us then. Until then, you know what to do. We'll see you then. Fade into color Color into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be Political arguments. He thinks the Democrats can do no wrong, and of course I'm for Johnson. <laughs> <laughs>